Well, happy to be joined in the ESPN Roundtable via Zoom today uh, with the defensive line coach at Montana State University, a Boise State alum, Byron Hout, joining us. Coach, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, this year, obviously, has been very atypical, uh, but it's also an interesting year on your with your position group because some outstanding players have graduated now from the Montana State defensive line. Derek Marks, obviously, Bryce Sturk as well among them. When it comes to trying to replace the productivity, a guy like Kane Ione we talked to, he's like, you're not finding another Bryce Sturk, but you have to do it as a group just to replace that whole, you know, kind of core that was there. Where are we at with that this year as you look, you know, on, on, on what's there, who's coming back, and new guys that are going to have to fill some roles? No, thanks for having me, guys. And and to answer your question, I think we're we're kind of in a, in a mode where I'd have to trust that these guys have been doing their their off season workouts, and and I know those those guys that you men mentioned, Sturk and and Marks, have left a legacy, and the guys before them, you know, Tucker and Tyrone, and and, and just the way the team has been built, that is the expectation to do a lot on your own, do extra, and so. You know, as a collective group, hopefully we get back and, and start fall camp and um, there isn't a lot of drop off. You know, these young guys are, are emerging and, um, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you mentioned you had had these guys leaving and they were, you know, key players. And um, I some places where that happens. And, and oddly enough, the next year you have more production. Um, you know, that was an, uh, an instance I even, you know, know Coach Choate's been a part of that at Washington even. Um, and so it's it just you know every year you 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 don't know um, and, and you'd like to sit here and think you got you know all these special tools and and you feel really good about them but a guy can you know go down like that and and so every week and I think especially in the the climate we're in you just got to take it week to week. It's interesting watching your guys' group because you know, I know that Coach Choate and your guys' whole staff put such a high priority on both the offensive and defensive lines when you guys first got there. And that seems to be paying out. I mean, it seems like that's come to fruition. But just from like an intangible leadership perspective, it's interesting too, right? Because you guys have had multiple captains on the D-line. And, and it seems like even when you do lose a Zach Ryder or Tucker Yates, you have a couple guys waiting in the wings like Derek Marks and Bryce Strick. How do you cultivate that element of it and have guys be ready to step into leadership roles so quickly? Um again it goes goes down to trusting that those those players are, are having the positive interactions with each other um throughout you know as a senior as a freshman that 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 senior's taking that freshman from day one and and having a conversation out out on the way to practice you know just making them feel part of the team and then it progresses from there so so now the the, the senior and the freshman trust each other and now they can build that bond and and so you know, when, when that freshman turns out to be a senior, he's going to remember that. And, and, and so that's kind of how it starts. And then it progresses through their, their work ethic. And, and these guys uh, having a tremendous work ethic and doing a lot on their own. So they, they like to get together in groups of three or four and, and do, you know, workouts. They're just obsessed with it. And so um, having, having those guys in that work ethic and, and that being instilled, like I said, going back to, to when Brownlow was here, you know, um, I was, you know, I was just very fortunate enough to kind of have some great senior leadership all the way through uh, my time here. And, and, and so it's a snowball effect, right? It's not something that you, you build and, and just go back to square one. It just, just builds on each other. So that, so now every year is the new standard. It is the new expectation. 
Byron Hout joining us, defensive line coach at Montana State for the ESPN Roundtable. And Byron, you've been at MSU now since 2016. You're one of the veterans on the staff. And you're the old dog, that's right. Uh, when you first started, Ty Gregorak was the D.C. Now it's been Ken Ione. You've been with him for a year going into uh, year two. What's What does he bring? Obviously, one of the all-time great Bobcats, but as a coach, leader of a defensive staff, what does he, what does he bring to the table? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story about Kane. When I first got here, um, when he was the linebacker coach, you know, I think, I think one of the, the pieces of advice he gave me was just, you know, be yourself, you know, just, just be you, you know, when you're coaching, just be you. Cause, uh, people kind of see through that and, and you gotta be comfortable doing it. And, and I think as a young coach hearing that, um, kind of shaped me into who I am. You know, I, I am very confident in, in myself and um, he probably doesn't even remember that conversation, but I think Kane is such a wise uh, guy. It, he's, he's just so wise. He just has those little nuggets of advice. And, and if you just listen, um, you're going to pick up on something from him. So um, that's been really fun. And then just as a, as a scheme guy, he's so organized and, and, and we do things so collectively together. Um, that that he it's been really fun and, and a great experience for me. So interesting that Ken Ione played at Montana State, you know, almost 20 years ago now. I mean, 2000, 2003. But when he was playing, he was playing for Coach Krakowski, played for Pete Krakowski, and then Pete Krakowski then goes on to play a boy or coach at Boise State where you played. So do you guys ever, I mean, tell stories about Coach Krakowski? I mean, it's interesting that you guys are quite a bit apart in age but have had the same coaches that's it's it's kind of fascinating so do you guys ever compare notes on what it was like playing for those guys uh yeah I mean I'm it's so funny because you know he was he was at Washington too so he you know he played and then he was also so as a coach and uh you know coach coach Wachowski's got his own his own verbs and 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 you know his own uh coach sayings and and so we might repeat those and and have a laugh or two but uh, you go up into the the Bobcat uh, complex up above the stadium there in in the suites, and you see all the history. And you go look through it, and then okay, there's Marcel Yates, you know, who was who was uh, the the defensive backs coach, and then the D coordinator when I was a GA. Uh, then you see Junior Adams, okay, he was the wide receiver coach um, at Boise State when I was a GA, and so it's it's just funny to see all these kind of connections. Um, and and the history and you know Dennis Erickson you know who I've run into multiple times in Coeur d'Alene um you know just the 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 history and the connection of this this place um it's pretty cool you know you uh, obviously played in the late 2000s or a great defensive uh lineman employer for Boise State in your time there in the Mountain West but it also seems I mean football seems to progress so quickly in terms of the new schemes and the new developments, X's and O's wise. I'm curious on the defensive line, how have you seen it? I mean, it seems the emphasis of getting over to the quarterback has always been very high, but it seems at an extreme now. And it used to be that you got to come off the edge to do this. And now it's coming from everywhere, double A gap blitzes, different things like that. So for you as a linebacker, you know, rushing the quarterback, doing what you did as a player to now, how much have you seen – the, the, the progression and what do you expect what do you need to do as a defensive line in total in 2020 yeah I mean I I've noticed or it, maybe it seemed like when I was playing uh we were pri- primarily a four down 
uh, we got into the odd my senior year, going junior, senior years. So we, we kind of made that transition to, to odd. And I think you see a lot more teams doing odd defenses now, uh, post-safety especially, because uh, it's a little bit tighter coverage, um, whereas, you know, it was four down quarters um, previously. And so um, the schematics, the tighter coverage, when you're talking about the blitzing and you do get into those odd fronts, a lot of teams are going to man protect. And, and, you know, that's as opposed to – uh, protecting gaps or an area um, and so that's tough too now because you're t saying it's a one-on-one -on -one situation if you're man protecting and so um, you know now you say okay I'm going to put my guy uh, against your worst guy because I know I can get a one-on-one -on -one situation so it's just about you know finding those finding the protection schemes um, but I would say that odd to, to four down maybe difference is as picked up from a recruiting perspective and you, you know you see it in the top down too in the NFL I think that 19 and 30 teams are running odd man fronts now. It seems like you can get more athletes. You don't have to have necessarily as many big guys. I mean, do you see that element of it? I mean, do you think you can just get more guys on the field that are maybe more, quote, unquote, normal body types? Yeah, you, you, you know, it's interesting. Um, when, you, when you're running that odd, though, you're, you're almost looking – you want that big, super nasty nose guard that's going to take two eight gaps, right? And what you see in the NFL a lot of times, too, is, is uh, the end and the tackle are also pretty big bodies. Um, you, you know, if you're running a four down, you might not put that end at, at the four down at that defense. But he's, he is a true four-eye player. And so those three guys are big. But then you have the, okay, the Sam and the, and the, outside, or the outside backers now, and that's where you're seeing those freak athletes. That's when you're seeing those guys that, hey, they can cover a, a guy, but they can also rush the passer. You know, and so that's that's where you're seeing that the the difference is now a guy that can rush the passer is also being able to cover um, pretty well. Speaking of guys that, he, he, it's so interesting. Like Bryce Sturck playing the four eye and your guys' defense. I mean, he's obviously he's a huge guy for the FCS. But yeah. Even he's probably not big enough to play that position in the NFL, right? That's how big you have to be. But what do you think of just the way that he's going to try to have to make this transition to Miami? I mean going from defensive line now to tight end, it seems like he has some innate skills, but also it's going to be a big learning curve. I mean, as a guy that coached him his whole career, what do you think of this, this, this transition he's facing? You, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting um, to see where they, they put him as he's he going to be a true inline tight end, which I think he probably is, or, you know, do they plan on flexing him out? I don't know. Uh, but uh, as far as from a, a playing standpoint, Bryce was so good at reactions. Um, so, so he couldn't tell if a guy was really heavy and going to come at him tough. Okay. I'm just going to lay that guy. And so, you know, um, he was really good at playing the game within the game. I thought, uh, and, and what they're going to be asking them to do, um, you know, uh, hopefully is pretty simple. I, I, not, not that he wouldn't be able to pick up anything, but just from what I've heard, the NFL, they don't, they don't like to overcomplicate a lot of stuff, you know? Um, and so, I, I don't think he'll have any problem picking up the tight end from the schematic point. I don't. Byron Howden joining us, a defensive line coach at Montana State. Been there since 2016. Played football at Boise State uh, in the uh, late 2000s on what was not a very good Boise team. I think only 50 and three. Was that the record uh, over the course of your time there? It, it, it was tough, man. A lot of <laughs> long nights. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into your time as a player here in just a minute, but I wanted to just dovetail on what Coulter had asked, you know, when it comes to recruiting. Obviously, if you could put together 
you know, your, your dream defensive line body type and you put Aaron Donald in the middle and you put, you know, Lawrence Taylor on the outside or whatever and you just yeah. go win games. But at the FCS level, it's a lot about projections when you talk about recruiting, who you're going to bring in. And I know that versatility is huge right now in football in general, and you want it to be that too. But you find yourself having to find guys who are really good at something that's specific and use them in that way because just picking guys off the shelf that have the body and athleticism to be really versatile maybe isn't there at this level? Um, y- yes and, and no. I mean, we're I, I look at it maybe like this, like – your, your, your pass rusher that you recruit, if he gets too big or isn't the greatest pass rusher, now you're moving him to a D-end. Okay, if that D-end you recruited, maybe he grew a little bit too much or, or in a good way, and now you're moving him to tackle. Maybe that tackle grew a little bit, you know, he, he really grew, now you can move him to nose. And so, you know, you're hoping you're, they, they just keep growing. And so you're, you're looking for, that's why I say that pass rushing kind of, natural ability is what uh, a lot of people look at because it's going to show the athlete um, and then you're looking at frame size uh, you know um, length arm length uh, a lot of different factors go into it but um, the, the bottom line is is long is, is again it, your length and ability to bend and athleticism is, is a premium for us on the on the d line and then it's just about putting you in the position on how big you're, you're going to get Last question about the current state of affairs before we get into some of the stuff about you. Uh, I mean, you mentioned wanting to have a big, mean guy on the inside, first and foremost, and you guys have, in my opinion, maybe the biggest, meanest guy that's returning in the league in Chase Benson. Great story. I mean, he has an awesome story, a kid that, you know, I think that he's really come into his own as both a player and a person at Montana State. What have you thought is his development, and how primed is he for a big senior year? I, I think he's every year gotten better. And so um, if he continues that growth, he's going to have a big senior season. Um, I know he has been, you know, working out in his, his garage all, all during this time. And now he's back in the workouts and, and still doing some at home. So um, he, he's, he looks good. His weight's up. And, and uh, you know, if he's going to He's going to be healthy and, and in the best shape of his life come, come August, let's hope. Two-tail Nuanas, ESPN Radio, the ESPN Roundtable with Byron Hout, the defensive line coach at Montana State. And, Coach, wanted to talk with you, obviously, now about your time as, as the Bronco and your playing time at Boise State. Uh, Boise State has been a, a, a great and perhaps the best sort of group of five or mid-major football school of the last 15 to 20 years but at the time that you were there I mean it was even a high water mark for the Broncos you go 50 and 3 during the time you go to the Fiesta Bowl in 2009 which you played in were you aware as a player at the time the anomaly that it was to be doing this at Boise State or did you just go hey this is what we do everybody else has got no idea I mean in in a way yeah we 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 uh we work hard. We worked hard, and, and we, we uh, had that confidence in ourselves that, um, you know, we were, we obviously hadn't lost a lot. So so you're, you're going into a game very confident, but knowing you're going to get everybody's best. And so it, it's almost it's a it's it, the more you win, the more the stakes are on the table, right? Right. And so every week it gets it gets higher and higher. Uh, that that pressure gets higher and higher. And so, you know, you kind of felt that as a as a player, at least, knowing the stakes, hey, 
you know, we, we win because that's what we do. And, and that's the expectation. Knowing that the whole anomaly, I mean, you're not thinking big picture. You're, you're really not. Um, you're really just focusing on, on that week. It's, it's such a special thing when it happens in college football. We've seen it at a few different places, whether it's Alabama, Clemson, Boise State, you know, Montana for a little while, the previous decade, North Dakota State this decade. How do you reach that point, though? Because it seems as if it's, it has to be instilled. You have to have a foundation. And then there's a tipping point where then people just kind of refuse to lose. And NDSU is kind of there right now. How do you reach that point? Though? What is the tipping point? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to equate it to, again, that snowball effect. It's not, you know, it's something that as it gets going, it gets bigger and bigger. And, and as we won it more and more, we got hungrier and hungrier for it. You know, because that, again, the losses mean even more, you know, and, and uh, when you have that few of them. And so winning was when, when that mindset, again, and a lot of it was confidence. It's just the way you carry yourself that that's a lot of people might want to call it swagger, whatever, but that confidence in yourself, um, I think has a lot to do with it. So if you might get into a tight game, you might be down in, in the fourth quarter but you have that confidence that you're going to win that, that does a lot for you to come back, you know, maybe from a game. And so um, I think you got to, the culture, like you said, culture has got to be there. But once you start that, that snowball effect of winning every week just becomes more and more important. You know, I want to ask you specifically about that Fiesta Bowl that was in 2010 coming through the 20, 2009 season. You go against TCU, the number four team in the nation. But really, what I'm interested in is just the experience as a whole because that is the pinnacle, even at that time, of, of college football. The Fiesta Bowl, I mean, it's as big as it possibly gets in that huge national stage. What was it like to, to travel, to go play in the game, to have all the circus and the events surrounding it, and then, and then ultimately to win in a great, you know, 17-10 victory? Yeah, I mean – you're talking, go to Descanos, you know, take the whole team to Descanos, you know, on the Wednesday night before the game, you know, eat 300 pounds of beef, <laughs> you know. Though, yeah, Descanos is like an all-you-can-eat Brazilian food place, right? So they take – or maybe it was Foco de Chao. But anyways, they take it to this awesome restaurant. So you're getting treated like kings and queens for a week, basically. Um, you know, bowl – it's an unbelievable experience for for the kids. And it's it's – um, you know, it's like a second Christmas at that point, <laughs> you know, you had Christmas and then, and then you go and you have a second Christmas, at, uh, and then to finish it off that night, um, coming back to the hotel and, and, and just seeing some of the guys that you might not see again, cause they're seniors and leaving. Right. And so, um, and everybody's kind of saying their, their farewells cause you, you're not going to see each other for a couple more weeks, you know, on break. And so that's a big, uh, enjoyment and, and, and a lot of, uh, bonding goes on. And, and so it's a, unbelievable experience to be treated treated the way they 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 treat those guys now Coulter and I always argue about the bulls in FBS football and whether how 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 much they mean how much they don't mean some of the smaller ones you go okay some of the big ones you're like this is big time we both agree that having a tournament to determine a national champion is ideal which you get to do at the FCS level but I continue to remain into the Bulls as such at the FBS level as well. Coulter, not so much. So you tell me you've been on both sides of this thing. Where are we at with the Bulls and their relevance to teams that play in them? 
Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I honestly, I don't think about it probably as much as you guys, you know, do, which is your, is which job. is your job. This is what you guys got to do. You got to, you got to come up with the plan, <laughs> present the plan, get us all on board. It'll be a grass, you know, roots movement you know, that, 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 that you guys are throwing down and, and Dude, hey, I, we'll we do get you guys on the committee. We'll, I'll we'll email you it to you right it. now. We've already written it. It's done. It's done. Send the proposal. <laughs> <laughs> during, during your time, though, at, at Boise State, it was uh, definitely a distinct culture that then, you know, Chris Peterson, that, that word is used so much with him and, and you see it with the guys that came from that same, you know, UC Davis coaching tree, Dan Hawkins and, you know, a whole bunch of other guys, Paul Hackett, guys that rose through the coaching ranks. But how similar is what you guys are trying to do at Montana State under Jeff Cho to what you guys had at Boise State? Um, yeah, the, the, you know, culture piece, like you mentioned that, that word, um, I'm sure every program is going to have a culture. Um, and you know, when, when we thought about ours at Boise state, as it, as it, it kind of came from the team and when we're doing it here at Montana state, this is a player run program. You know, we want this or player driven program. We want to be, you know, have a lot of input. And so that's what we do. We sit down uh, with our team and, and we collaborate on it. Okay. Uh, what, what is really important to our team brotherhood. Okay. Uh, trust being competitive, uh, you know, winning all of our home games, whatever it may be that we come up with as a team. Um, it is that it is came up through a team. And so, uh, you know, it might change here or there, but I think the, the bottom line of um, trust and, and, and love your teammates and, and respect them, you know, um, and, and just some of the things of being a good human being uh, that, that is, is taught throughout, throughout life that you need to go through uh, it, maybe you haven't experienced that yet. You know, maybe it's, it's guys that they're 18, they've had it for 18 years. Maybe it's a guy that hasn't had that for any years of his life. And so that's the cool thing is you get, you get everybody from different spectrums and different out, uh, um, areas in, in that melting pot. You know, it's interesting. Most coaches in football are former players of one sort or another but most players don't ultimately go into coaching. And if you, you would certainly talk to people and know the grind that it is to be a coach. Why was that the, the, the path that you wanted to choose and go down? Um, I think for me, I've always wanted to help people. And, and like I said, getting enjoyment out of their enjoyment um, or, or seeing them learn or seeing something connect again. That's just for me that's always been a passion of mine um, and getting to do that through football. Um, you know, I was a, a communications major, wanted to be an education major, uh, started off as an education major, but had to switch um, because of my football career, uh, got a, a master's in special education. Um, and so the learning and, and really how things work in, in general, how the brain works, how this computer, that's always been a, a huge geek out. You know, I always joke that I'm I'm a jock nerd. I'm like the like the crossover, right? Um, I'm going to be the one that brings us together in the end. <laughs> That's good. So, I like that. <laughs> so you're a GA at Wazoo for a year, then you go back to Boise State. You're there for a couple of years, but your first 
a coaching job, assistant coaching job, has been at Montana State, and you've been there five years. There's been a fair amount of turnover on this staff, and also just young aspiring coaches often aren't around all that long. So you really are a veteran. Why has it worked for you at Montana State with Jeff? Um, for me, uh, I'm getting what I want. I, I'm, I am uh, reaching Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and so to speak. I, I have uh, a great place to live. I, I get to go to work where I love it, where my boss, uh, I don't hate, you know, I, I, I enjoy my boss. Um, the people in this town getting to talk to you guys, I mean, this is, this is awesome. And, and so I'm getting a lot of, of everything I want right now. And, um, you know, when you have all those boxes checked, uh, um, sometimes you got to self-evaluate and, and reevaluate if those boxes aren't checked, but right now they are. God bless you for bringing up Maslow's hierarchy. <laughs> we have not had that yet. It's been, I've been waiting. When is somebody going to use this? <laughs> I, I told you. I told you. I'm bridging the gap, man. Bridge the gap, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, last, uh, last question on my side, the, uh, it's been an interesting evolution for you, too, as a guy who played linebacker in college but then coached a different position. And not only that, but the head coach is one of the elite D-line coaches in the country. And so I know the first couple of years, I mean, Joe can't help himself. He jumps into all the D-line drills. He's always helping out with the D-line. So learning from him, though, and growing under him and now kind of growing yourself, and he gives you so much control of the room now, what's that part been like? Uh, it's, it's been great, just the, the, the process of, of again – Day, year one, you know, sitting back and taking notes. You're, you know, and I still take take notes every time. Um, and now we just play off of each other too. We've gotten so we we know is is he about to come in and yell, or is he going to be calm and I need to yell? You know, because you can't have to, it's a good cop bad cop deal, right? And and so um, we can play off of each other that way. Um, I feel comfortable uh, uh, in, in asking him to do things for me, but at the same time, I'm not asking him to do as much. You know, I, I feel more confident in myself over the years to uh, have, have more of that responsibility on myself. And so um, it's always good though. when I think your boss, you know, is, has an eye on you, you know, it always makes you, you know, work that much harder. Right. Well, Byron, I'll tell you what, we really appreciate your time. Uh, we are optimistic and excited about football returning, as I know that you are as well, and we'll certainly look forward to watching uh, the Bobcats in general and your defensive line and their unit, you know, what they're able to do this. We're pumped about it. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, appreciate you guys. Go Cats.